We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys, and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbukens. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble Book Hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Terbukens are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the October 9th, 2017 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by MyBookie, the official sports book of Rotoviz Radio. I'm Anthony Amico. You can find me on Twitter at Amixta. And my co host is Blair Andrews. You can follow at AmITheRealBlair. Blair, how's it going? It's going well. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of news to get to this week. So it's uh, an exciting uh, week and maybe a little bit. Uh, scary for some of your fantasy teams, I guess. Some of mine, anyway. <laughs> yeah, some of my teams definitely took a hit, and obviously, uh, my Giants fandom is basically dead at this point. But we'll get to that. Uh, joining us today on the show to help us talk about all the news is Joe Holka. He's a contributor for Fantasy Labs, roster coach, and four for four. He is the inventor of rushing expectations, which I'm sure you've seen all over Twitter. You can find Joe on Twitter at Joe Holka. Joe, thanks for joining us tonight, man. How is everything? Yeah, how are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it was it was a pretty good uh, Sunday in general, um, but there's definitely quite a bit of injuries as well to talk about. So uh, yeah, excited to talk to you guys today and kind of sort through all this. Yeah, we'll get right into the news with the first and probably the biggest item of the weekend. ESPN's Jordan Rannon reports that Odell Beckham is heading for surgery. He left the game against the Chargers early with an ankle injury. 
We're not 100% sure what Beckham's recovery time is going to look like, but Kim Jones is reporting that Odell broke his fibula. Brandon Marshall and Sterling Shepard also left the game with injuries to their ankles. Uh, Joe, simply put, who sees the biggest bump here as a result, and can we officially declare the Giants' season, season over? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an offense that we've been interested in just because of the pass volume in general. Um, the running backs are pretty gross um, outside of, I guess, what we saw today um, from Orleans Darkwa. I'm sure no one started him. I think you guess the biggest bump is probably Evan Ingram. Um, he's a guy that been playing a lot of in general this year um, just because of the amount of routes he's running. He's basically um, another wide receiver for them. So I think he could see a bump in targets. Um, didn't have the best game, obviously, this week, but uh, we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, a lot of people were probably worried about Ingram. You know, rookie tight ends take a long time, but he's really not a tight end. I mean, athletically, he's like a wide receiver, and he lines up and runs routes like a wide receiver. I think he's been uh blocking like he when he's been on the field he's been asked to block like seven times the entire season or something like that it's crazy um he definitely would see a bump i mean the other person that i'd probably be looking at to step up a little bit would be shane vereen who actually in week one when beckham was also out caught nine passes so he's someone who might see a little bit more work um five targets today so didn't quite get you know what you might expect with all the injuries they had, but uh, yeah, some, he's someone else I'd be looking for more production from. Yeah, definitely like Ingram. He's been a lot more productive than I, than I expected this year. Uh, Shane Vereen is sure to be a lot more involved in the offense. This is just going to be a really bad team going forward. I mean, if they don't have Odell, it really shuts off a lot of what they do. I think it makes it a lot more difficult for those other guys to get open, uh, particularly someone like Shepard who I don't think is really that good, and someone like Marshall, who's aging. I, I mean, it's going to be really difficult, I think, for the Giants to do much of anything. I think Vereen probably is the best guy going forward just because he's going to absorb a lot of targets that are low dot and you know high, uh, you know, high catch rate from Eli. Here's a question. Do we think that the Giants might go out and try and sign anyone? I just don't know who they could sign. I mean, who's out there, you know? Like, and. And honestly, like I, I think Roger Lewis is pretty good. He had a long touchdown today. I think that him getting more opportunity isn't the worst thing in the world for the Giants. I'm, I don't really think that there's like a move to make. Yeah, I mean, that offensive line is still going to be a huge factor. Um, we've seen that this year already. Um, some people have talked about it, but Eli just doesn't seem right. Um, been kind of waiting for that clip for a couple of the guys from this draft class, and they've just really struggled. Um, you've seen just times this year where Eli just thinks pressure's coming and it isn't just because he's been so used to that. Um, so I'm just not really um, placing a lot of bets on this offense in general to be very good. And Odell is like one of the things that made it tick in general, um, just took so much pressure off the rest of the guys on that offense. that I'm not really sure there's a specific guy that's going to be able to replace them, obviously. Um, but I don't even know if this is going to be an offense we're going to be targeting because they're not going to be scoring a whole lot. Yeah, that's probably right. All right, moving on to the next news item. Marlon Mack rushed nine times for 91 yards and one touchdown in the Colts' Week 5 win over the 49ers. Uh, Mack missed the last couple of games due to injury, but he had only five fewer carries than Frank Gore today. So uh, are we kind of seeing a transition in this backfield finally? 
Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty decent matchup this week. Um, one of those kind of reverse funnels kind of towards the past. So it was interesting to see Mac do so well. I definitely wasn't on him in DFS. Uh, I wasn't playing Frank Gore, that's for sure. Um, so I think he kind of came out of nowhere. But I, I think there's a chance that this kind of uh, is the passing of the torch. Um, but again, it's not an offense that has been super prolific. I know that they they've played pretty well um, at home and some decent matchups, specifically T.Y. Hilton, um, which I think opens up a lot. Um, obviously, Brissett's mobility helps the running game quite a bit. Um, so I think that there's a chance that it could be a situation to kind of target uh, moving forward um, from like a DFS perspective. But I'm not really sure that he has a whole lot of value just yet because, um, I mean, Frank Gore's still not going anywhere as far as volume. It really wouldn't surprise me, though, that as the season goes on, if they transition a lot more of that volume to Mac and then kind of just let Gore fade off into the sunset after the year. I mean, this team really isn't going to do anything this year. There's no real reason for them to spend time that they could be evaluating young players and taking those carries and giving them Frank Gore. It does, doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really seem to be like the GTO play long term if you're the Colts and I do think that management there is a little bit better than it's been, probably a lot better than it's been in the last few years. So I do expect to see more Mac. I have a feeling that he's probably already owned in most leagues, but anywhere that he's not, I would certainly be picking him up. The fact that he missed the last couple weeks, I think maybe had him going under the radar. But I mean, the kid is definitely good. He, he played well today, obviously a good matchup, but it's good to see that he's getting those opportunities, even if he's just relegating Gore to an in-between the 20s in between the tackles runner, I, that's still going to provide him some usage in this offense. And I do think that Jacoby Brissett has been really good. And, you know, the, the, eventually Andrew Luck might come back. And if that happens, you know, the offense will be a lot better and those touches will have even more value. Yeah. Well, what was your thoughts on just like their offensive line going into this game? I mean, they're, the, they're in the bottom three of adjusted line yards until this week. Um, I think that that kind of stuff matters for sure. And that's been like one of the, the biggest problems with playing luck in the past is he's had no time, even if he comes back. Um, do you think that that helps the running game? Do you think they can improve? Um, obviously, they were a little bit better today. So what are your thoughts on at least the offensive line in regards to the running back situation? It definitely matters, and, and it's a concern. I mean, we see the same thing in Seattle, but I still do think that when you have the quarterback in the passing game, I think that you can overcome some of that. I mean, the C- Seattle, I think, is is – Obviously, the comparison you want to make, and Russell Wilson is more mobile than Andrew Luck, but I do still think that there's an opportunity for them to be efficient, even if it's just getting the ball out of Luck's hands quickly, you know, running a lot of a shorter stuff. Um, you know, Brissett made a couple of really nice long passes to Hilton today after, like, dancing around in the pocket for a little bit. I'm not 100% sure that Luck can do that, but he is pretty mobile himself. So, you know, let's have to kind of see how it goes. Yeah, I actually had some exposure to the 49ers defense in DFS uh, today. I was hoping to kind of take advantage of that poor offensive line, but that didn't exactly work out. But, uh, you know, that's definitely a concern, although I guess they look pretty good today. Uh, The one thing I will say for Mac is he actually, in week one, he actually had three red zone carries. So um, I'm not certain that they're just going to be using him between the 20s. I think he might end up having a more valuable role on that um you know i'd have to i don't know how they used him exactly today uh he did get one touchdown but i didn't actually see the game so i don't know i don't know how you know where he was used but i have to go back and look at that but i i think this is definitely interesting and he's someone i 
uh, have a lot of hope for going forward. All right. I just want to take a moment before we move on to talk about my bookie. I love sports betting. I think that if you play DFS especially, but even if you just play regular fantasy football, like there's just a huge overlap between what it takes to be a great fantasy player and what it takes to be a great sports better. So definitely get in the game with mybookie.ag. There is no sports book online that I trust more. My bookie has in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And let me tell you, their mobile capabilities on their online website is the absolute best in the business. Don't get lost you know, by confusing site layouts. Don't lose out on bets due to slow site loading speeds. Just trust my bookie. Trust my bookie like we do here at Rotoviz, and you'll make out really well. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit up to a 100% bonus, as well as give you $25 free in casino chips. Just use promo code ROTOREPORT to activate this special offer. Also, if you sign up this month with the ROTOREPORT, promo code and forward a copy of your sign-up confirmation email to rotavizradio at gmail.com. You'll be entered into a drawing for a limited edition Rotoviz pullover. I just got mine in the mail along with the rest of the Rotoviz staff. And let me tell you, it is sweet. So you definitely want to get in on that. Sign up for my bookie, deposit money, get your money for free, get your free $25 in casino chips, and then forward us your email confirmation. We will announce the winner on a future episode Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Mybookie.ag. Now let's get into no shit, shit, no. First item this week, T.Y. Hilton. He caught seven of nine targets for 177 yards in the Colts' 26-23 win over the 49ers. Yeah, no shit. Um, T.Y. Hilton has been amazing at home um, for quite some time as home road splits are Obviously, well-documented, um, but he's a guy that's had some really tough matchups this year, but has absolutely smashed his good matchups. So wasn't really exce- um, too, um, really, I, I thought it was it was pretty obvious that this was a great spot for him. Um, had a top eight PFF cornerback matchup this week. Um, he was a guy that's, that's seen a, quite a bit of targets, obviously, but we've, all, we've seen his upside as far as yards after the catch. So I think that's um, definitely something, I mean, we've seen his ceiling plenty of times last year, and I tend to think that Jack Brissett is a lot better than most people do. Antonio Brown proved that the squeaky wheel narrative is, in fact, real. Uh, He caught 10 passes on 19 targets for 157 yards in the Steelers' Week 5 loss to the Jaguars. Yeah, no shit. Uh, It's one of the only things that's been going right um, for Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I think that we knew the targets were going to be there. It was just the efficiency. So, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. He went 10 for 19 against this Jacksonville defense. Um, wasn't something I was necessarily on in DFS. Um, but, I mean, I think if you were just targeting volume, uh, I think it did make a certain amount of sense um, to go after him in tournaments. A.J. Green caught 7 of 13 passes for 189 yards and a touchdown in the Bengals' Week 5 win over Buffalo. Yeah, no shit. Um, I think this is a guy that we need to be targeting um, – every week just for his ceiling alone. Um, he's someone that um, this week he had a pretty poor matchup as far as DVOA is concerned. Um, but I mean, we've seen these elite players. It doesn't really matter um, a lot of times as far as their matchups. And AJ Green is one of those guys that's seeing um, a ridiculous market share, um, obviously a ridiculous market share of air yards as well. Um, so I think he's a guy that's always in play. Um, those big plays are really what you're rostering him for and what you're paying for. 
Ben Roethlisberger completed 33 of 55 passes for 312 yards and five interceptions in the Steelers' Week 5 loss to the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, we knew that this was going to be a tough matchup for him, like I said. Um, definitely a, a team that funnels towards the run. Um, I think there's got to be a, a point, though, with this Steelers offense that we just kind of sit back and realize that it might not be that prolific offense we've seen in the past. Um, ben Roethlisberger has looked pretty bad this year. Um, we keep trying to target him at home, uh, maybe not so much this week, but um, I think that it's possible these these splits in general are just like completely overblown and Big Ben just hasn't been very good. I love that you're on board with me on that, by the way. <laughs> uh, Leonard Fournette just continues to mash, rushed 28 times for 181 yards and two touchdowns in the Jaguars' Week 5 win over the Steelers. Yeah, no shit. This is what this team wants to do. We knew that when they drafted him. Um, they want to play good defense and they want to run the ball. Um but, I mean, this guy's too good not to break some big plays now and then. I don't know if the touchdowns are sustainable, but, I mean, the volume is, and that's what we're targeting anyway. So I think that anytime he catches decent game script, which is going to be a decent amount with this Jaguars defense, uh, Fournette's always going to be in play, and he's always going to have this type of ceiling because of what kind of player he is. Carlos Hyde rushed eight times for 11 yards in the 49ers' Week 5 loss to the Colts. Yeah, I'm going to say shit no. This is one of the weirder situations of the week. I think, um, I don't know if it was really so much his injury or if they were kind of going with the hot hands. Um, but Carlos Hyde seeing, um, just eight rush attempts in this one seemed a little peculiar, peculiar to me. Um, he's a guy that, um, has been top three in goal line attempts, uh, to start, to start the year, um, at least from inside the 10. Uh, so I think that he's a guy that was going to have a ball, like kind of that role at the goal line. Um, and then they kind of went away from him this week. So it was super surprising, but I, I don't think that he's going to be a guy that's going to see that little volume uh, going forward. But it's definitely something we need to keep an eye on as far as uh, the other running backs that they've been giving touches now. Devin Funches caught seven of eight targets for 53 yards and one touchdown in the Panthers' win over the Lions. Yeah, no shit. Um, this guy profiles a lot like a tight end. So as soon as they lost um, Greg Olson, he was going to be the one of those guys that stand to benefit quite a bit. Um, so I think that there's a chance that um, maybe people are down on him just because of what we've been waiting for in the past. But as far as a role is concerned, um, he's going to be one of those guys that I think Cam uh, continues to kind of lean on. Um, his target share numbers are great, obviously, but He's seeing so many red zone targets. I think you have to consider him um, as a viable asset uh, week to week, even with Cam's inefficiencies. Um, Funches is a guy with a big catch radius that I think that um, has a lot of upside. Um, and if he continues to see the red zone work, I think it, it's, it's definitely sustainable. Jacoby Brissett completed 22 of 34 passes for 314 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception in the Colts' week five win over the 49ers. Yeah, I'll say no shit as Brissett being a viable player. I mean, he's a guy that was a very good quarterback for us in preseason DFS this year. Um, so I'm never surprised really when he has um, a good game. So I, I think that there's um, more upside with him on the ground, obviously, to kind of raise his floor. But anytime you have T.Y. Hilton um, on the fast track, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for yards after the catch. So I think that even though he didn't throw for any touchdowns in this one, um, I think that his upside, his floor, um, obviously his rushing floor, which he's shown, um, stands to be that he's going to be um, more than usable until luck comes back. Melvin Gordon, the GOAT, rushed 20 times, 105 yards, 
On the Giants, he also added six catches, 58 yards, and two receiving touchdowns today. Yeah, this is one thing that went well for me for sure this week was uh, pivoting over to Gordon on DraftKings. Um, just his price in general was, was too low for his volume, but we were just hoping that he would see that added involvement in the passing game with the injuries that they have on their team. So that, that turned out to be the case. Um, if you've followed any of my work, you know I'm not a huge Melvin Gordon fan because he's so inefficient. Um, but volume matters. Volume's always going to matter at the running back position. Um, I think he's kind of been on the wrong side of of variance this year um, as far as that. So if they're, they're willing to get him involved um, similarly to the, how they did last year in the red zone, then I think he's fine, especially if his price stays similar to what it is right now. Ed Dixon caught five of five targets for 175 yards in the Panthers' Week 5 win over the Lions. Uh, I'm going to say shit no on that. Um, I just, I'm not a big fan of his talent in general. Um, I, I wasn't someone I was on this week. I, I think that um, Funchess is definitely more sustainable um, than Dixon. I mean, Dixon's a guy that hasn't seen a ton of targets this year. He hadn't had any red zone or tar- or targets all year, and he had less than three targets in uh, half the games this season until tonight. So I think that is something that's probably um, an outlier performance from Dixon. Keenan Allen caught four of 12 targets for 67 yards in the Chargers' Week 5 win over the Giants. Yeah, no shit. It was a really tough matchup for him, um, for sure. Um, so I, I think there's a chance that, I mean, his his efficiency will will improve. Um, I think the one thing that might be concerning is, is Hunter Henry, especially if they try and get him a little bit more involved um, in the red zone. I think that might take away from Keenan Allen's upside, but I think he's always going to have um, the, the volume and the trust of Rivers to be reliable. Austin Safarian Jenkins caught six of eight targets for 29 yards and a touchdown in the Jets' Week 5 win over the Browns. I'm still going to say shit no on Safarian Jenkins. I uh, played him in DFS. It doesn't mean I think of it. he's a, a good player or he's back or anything like that. Um, when I'm targeting t- tight ends, I'm more or less looking for uh, good offenses, high team totals, that kind of thing. Um, I think his target share definitely made him work it, worth it at his price, but as far as season long is concerned, I I think just the the position in general is kind of a dumpster fire, so I'm definitely not trading any assets to acquire. Safarian Jenkins, if you landed him on the waiver wire, I think that's fine. Um, But I think these games where where he scores touchdowns are going to be few and far between. Jay Ajayi continued to struggle today, carried the ball 25 times for 77 yards, caught two or three targets for two yards in the Dolphins' Week 5 win over the Titans. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say shit no on that. I think that Jay Ajayi is a phenomenal player. the issue has been the efficiency of the offense in general, um, which can't get a whole lot worse. Um, I'm not really very high on Cutler, obviously, um, to start this year. It's just really tough to see a guy like Ajayi, who was so productive last year when they leaned on him heavily, um, to kind of struggle. So I think if they kind of sit back and if the defense can play a little bit better like it has, um, I think that there's going to be a chance that he's going to start seeing um, those volume games that he saw last year because that's when they were most successful. Isaiah Crowell carried 16 times for 60 yards, adding two catches for seven yards in Sunday's Week 5 loss to the Jets. Yeah, no shit. It's, just, it's the same thing. It's trying to target running backs on bad teams, um, especially ones that aren't as good in the passing game. And I guess that's arguable. Maybe he's better than people think in the passing game. He's just not used in that way. But how he's used definitely matters. Um, so I'm not really on Crowell long term. Uh, I think Duke Johnson's interesting, but... At the same time, if these two are just going to kind of cannibalize each other's upside um, on a team that's not going to be in scoring position a lot, um, I'm, I'm not super interested. 
George Kittle caught seven of nine targets for 83 yards and one touchdown in the 49ers' loss to the Colts. Yeah, I'll, I'll say shit no, but with the caveat, I think that Kittle is a pretty good player. This These tight ends in general that came in this year, I think that obviously they're um, kind of historic as far as their measurables and whatnot, um, what they did at the Combine, but Kittle's kind of got under the radar. Um, he's kind of been earning the trust of of Hoyer these these past couple weeks. Um, he's only had over three targets in one game so far until this week. Um, but at the same time, he's been on the field uh, quite a bit. He's seen a lot of snaps. So I think that Kittle long-term can be a guy that uh, we target, but it's, it's one that um, the target share has been so condensed towards Pierre Garçon that I think they're just looking for a viable option. I think he can definitely be that. Hunter Henry caught three of eight targets for 42 yards and a touchdown in the Chargers' Week 5 win over the Giants. Yeah, no shit. Um, it's kind of a long time coming for Hunter Henry. I think now that um, they've kind of gotten the the record out of the way for Antonio Gates, who's basically just been hobbling around the field for quite some time. That We're going to start seeing more um, targets for Henry. Um, eight targets is great, but just that usage in the red zone is what we've been looking for. Um, and he's got a lot of talent. So I think that there's a chance that we might see kind of a passing of the torch here with Henry, and I'm definitely buying him. Pierre Garçon caught 8 of 11 targets for 94 yards in the 49ers' loss to the Colts. Yeah, no shit. Um, I mean, the entire offseason, we talked about how he's a perfect fit in this offense, how he's been the perfect fit in this offense before. Um, so we knew he was going to see a ton of targets. Um, that's what we want. He's had some games where he hasn't been as efficient due to his quarterback play, but I think he's got a decent floor. And then, obviously, in these games, if, if he can start scoring some more touchdowns, he's going to have the upside. I think that's where his upside kind of lacks is because his team's not scoring a lot of touchdowns. But, I mean, the offense is flowing through him, especially if, if they're going to kind of get away from Carlos Hyde a little bit. I think that can only benefit Garcon. Marquise Goodwin caught 5 of 11 targets for 116 yards in the 49ers' Week 5 loss to the Colts. Uh, should know. Uh, this Goodwin just hasn't been a guy that's been extremely effective consistently. I don't, I'm not really buying this as a breakout. Like if we knew that if he was going to have a game like this where he caught some deep targets, um, obviously this, this team in general um, just has been needing that deep threat. So maybe he can see some more uh, snaps in the future now that he's had one of these breakout games, but he's been so inconsistent with his route running with his catching ability. Uh, I'm just not super on Marquise Goodwin long-term. Jarvis Landry caught five of 10 targets for 44 yards and a touchdown in the Dolphins' Week 5 win over the Titans. Yeah, no shit. I mean, this is just an offense that's really struggling with Jay Cutler. Um, we'll see what happens uh, with Devontae Parker. Um, but I think they're going to probably look at the film and realize they need to get back to playing what they were successful with last year, is which giving Ajayi more touches. Um, the thing is, like, Landry is just taking away those short eight-odd targets um, from Ajayi, so it kind of limits both their ceilings. Um, whoever kind of emerges there is going to be the guy that you want. Um, and if Cutler just continues to play so bad, it's it's not really good for a guy like Jarvis Landry who's going to thrive off of volume. Evan Ingram was held without a catch on four targets in New York's Week 5 loss to the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to say shit no. Just I think in, in general, the, this, the tight end position is kind of a dumpster fire, but these are the kind of guys you want, the guys that are running passing routes that are effectively wide receivers in their offenses. Um, there's huge target share that just opened up with Odell Beckham gone, so I'm definitely buying Ingram if people are worried about this game. Nelson Aguilar pulled in four catches for 93 yards and a touchdown. It was a really nifty touchdown, too, if you saw it. 
on five targets on Sunday in the Eagles' Week 5 win over the Cardinals. Yeah, the problem with this game, at least this week, was trying to figure out if these cheaper wide receivers were in play uh, to funnel defense that funnels towards the pass. Um, and it turns out that both the answers were correct. So if you played um, one of those guys, you probably had a good week, uh, or at least were able to open up some some salary. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna. I think that Nelson Aguilar, um, this is probably his ceiling. Um, I mean, he's not going to catch a long pass every week. He's He's kind of working more. Um, I think he's probably a little bit better suited for those targets in the slot. Um, but I mean, that after catchability, I mean, he made a really nice move to get in the end zone there. So that's something that's really uh, that I think that matters for sure. Uh, definitely buying him over Torrey Smith. And I think he'll be more consistent. Ricardo Lewis caught five of seven targets for 71 yards in Sunday's week five loss to the Jets. Um, no shit or shit. No, I guess on this one, I'm just not really interested in chasing these Cleveland, uh, passing options. We've already been through this with Higgins. Um, it just seems like a revolving door with just no certainty as far as where the targets are going to go. Um, so I mean, five to seven for 71, I think that's, that's fine, but I want to see a bit more, uh, from him for sure. First, Andre Ellington carried the ball just one time for a loss of two yards, but he did catch nine passes for 65 yards on 10 targets in the Cardinals' Week 5 loss to the Eagles. Yeah, no shit. This is how they want to use Ellington. Um, this is, I mean, we were hoping for probably some more rushing attempts, but he's a guy that's just going to be that passing option. This, they're not going to use him like David Johnson. So if that's what people were expecting when they played Ellington or if when they picked him up at some point this year, um, that's just not how Arians is going to use him. Um, I think in general that his floor is pretty safe because his team's going to have to pass so much. Um, I think that he's fine, um, but I don't think he has the upside that people might have been thinking he might. Fantasy football fans, you need to listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try my favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. You do a draft that lasts for just one week. There is no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Draft start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part, you play for cold, hard cash. Draft start from just $1. So there is a draft for everyone. No salary caps. Play in a real live snake draft, just like you would with your friends in a season-long league. So a lot of familiarity there, I think, with the format for a lot of our listeners. Come and join me on Draft today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com. Whatever you want. And their computer interface is excellent. I can attest to that. So definitely don't be shy to use your computer for a draft. For a limited time only, all new players will be getting a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use the promo code RVRADIO. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using my promo code RV radio on your first deposit on draft search draft in the app store or go to playdraft.com and come play free with promo code RV radio. Let's wrap the show with a couple more regular news items here. Devante Parker left the stadium on crutches with a sprained ankle following Sunday's week five win over the Titans. Joe, uh, Parker may not miss any time, but let's assume that he isn't ready for week six against Atlanta. Are you giving some consideration to Kenny Stills as a speculative play, or maybe there's somebody else that you're interested in? Yeah, I think Stills is super interesting, especially against Atlanta. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that won't play him just because they've been relatively decent, uh, at least to outside receivers. But if 
it so happens that Cutler does start to play a little better. I think you can catch some really low ownership on stills, and he's a guy that when he is getting targets, he's getting uh, valuable deep targets. So I think that's uh, somewhat appealing, but this offense in general um, just hasn't been very good, so it's not something I'm going to be looking at in cash game. I gave a little consideration to playing stills today just because it was against Tennessee and, you know, kind of I'm going to just play the matchup, but I'm glad I didn't actually get him in, of course. Um, you know, I really want to see uh, <laughs> see this offense do something in the passing game before I think I'm ready to um, to target any of their pass catchers, even maybe Parker. I'm a little a little afraid of how uh, how much he might actually be used, considering how bad the Dolphins have looked. Um, so I'm probably uh, well. I'm it sounds like I might be a little more scared of playing him than you are, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in on Stills. I, <laughs> I'm not even really like a huge Kenny Stills fan. I just think that there's going to be some volume there. Um, I mean. Parker was on a 1,200-yard pace entering today, so I'm not necessarily saying that Stills would capture all that volume, but if you look at what Parker has done, he has been pretty good at capturing air yards, and the team isn't that good, so there's going to be some playing from behind. So I think, especially considering that next week they play Atlanta, I, I, you know, there's no spread out yet for that game, but I would imagine that the Falcons are going to be like six or seven-point favorites, so... You're going to see a bunch of throwing from Cutler. We know Cutler likes to take those deep shots. So if Parker doesn't suit up, I'm definitely going to be in on stills. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably, you know, against Atlanta, that's probably the sort of game that it seems like um, Jarvis Landry would be good in. He's kind of an extension of their of their running game in that way, or at least he plays the role of the, um, the pass-catching running back for them, which Atlanta really struggles to stop. So... Um, Landry has some interest against Atlanta for me, but yeah, I don't know. Beyond that, you know, what did Cutler have today? 92 yards total. So I don't know. He's just not, uh, not throwing touchdowns, not, uh, really that productive yet. So yeah, like I said, for me, I've just got to see more before I'm really going to get on board, I think. All right. Uh, final news item. Deshaun Kaiser was replaced at halftime on Sunday by Kevin Hogan, who played far better than the rookie. Uh, the team hasn't yet issued a statement on who will start in week six, but Joe, who do you think will start? And are you buying any Cleveland pass catchers at the moment? Yeah, I think they're kind of fed up with what they've seen with Kaiser. They left him in um, for quite a while, hoping he would kind of turn things around. Um, definitely didn't. Um, I think Kevin Hogan, is probably not the answer long-term, um, but he's shown a little bit of um, consistency as far as throwing to Njoku, which I think is interesting, um, but it's kind of similar to some of these other tight ends we have kind of talked about um, tonight just because they're they're on poor teams, um, and then this coming week they're going to be playing against the Texans, recording this uh, as the Sunday night game is going on, so they did just lose J.J. Watt, so I think that's something to to monitor, but on the surface, not super interested uh, with the Browns' uh, offensive weapons. It's pretty interesting. I feel like Kevin Hogan always makes really nice plays on the ground. I don't think people really recognize him as like a quality runner, but that's kind of what he is. I was really surprised that they made this move because I really expected them, once they put Kaiser in and they named him the starter, I kind of thought they'd just ride it out, especially... If you consider that they're probably in operation tank mode a little bit, uh, you know, keep accumulating some picks. And, you know, you're a rookie quarterback struggling really isn't the worst thing because you can always defend that you're just 
looking for player growth and all that stuff. So I was really surprised that they made that move. But yeah, I mean, I, I think next week they'll just go right back to Kaiser. Honestly, I think that this might have just been one of those games where he was playing so poorly that they just wanted to get him out before his head was just completely buried. And, you know, next week, you know, they'll talk to him throughout the week. And next week, they'll just go right back to him and be like, hey, you're our guy, you know, et cetera. I'm not really sure the best move if, for the Cleveland coaching staff because I, I guess Hugh Jackson is, is kind of coaching for his job a little bit. I know there's been a little bit of rumblings about him potentially being fired just because the team hasn't really done anything. But I don't know. I mean, I mean, I get, if you're in a two-quarterback league, you got to speculatively add Hogan just in case he does start. It is kind of interesting to me that he's like ahead of Cody Kessler on the depth chart. Like I, I don't know what happened to Cody Kessler. I don't know if like Hugh Jackson hasn't you know tied up in uh, a closet in like the Browns facility, but he was pretty good last year. I'm really surprised that he wasn't like the first guy in today. But you know, regardless, I, I don't think that we can buy any Cleveland pass catchers, and Joku is still going to be too uh, little utilized, I think, and. Eventually, Kenny Britt will be back, and that kind of muddies up the whole thing. So I'm staying away. Yeah, I think what you said about them just going back to Kaiser makes the most sense. Uh, I'd probably lean that way as far as who's going to start as well. But it's just such a muddy situation. One of the only things that's really gone right um, has been Njoku, but it's just not something that I think we can we can count on. Um, Duke Johnson has basically been... Uh, one of their best receivers, um, so I think that's fine, but it's kind of a similar thing to Ellington. It's not really, at least from a DFS perspective, not something that's going to have a, a high ceiling week to week. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say, I think Duke Johnson might be worth um, might be worth buying if you can. I mean, he's, you know, uh, I guess he only had three targets today, so not a lot, but kind of before that, he was basically operating as their number one receiver. Um so he's someone I would be looking to add. I mean, he'd have a lot of value if they decide Crowell just isn't getting it done or if he gets injured. Uh, Duke Johnson would step into a huge role then. So um, maybe not the most valuable in terms of you know rushing work just because of how kind of dysfunctional the offense is. But uh, Duke Johnson is someone who's definitely interesting to me. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think they'll go right back to Kaiser in terms of starting next week, too. It's just it's a little surprising to see them not just stick with him in what is a lost season anyway, but who knows what they're doing. The only thing with buying someone like Duke is that he's now scored a touchdown in three straight games. Like, I don't know if I don't know if a Duke Johnson owner is even going to be willing to sell at this point, Like, because you're kind of at a high point. He's matched in five games or even just the last three games, he's matched the number of touchdowns that he had in his career heading into the season. So I feel like that is probably not sustainable, but it's definitely going to be factored into his value in trades. So I think with that in mind, it's, he's, he becomes a difficult buy. Not that I, I think you're, not that I think you're wrong. I mean, sure. Ask, but I'm, I'm not sure if that owner is going to be willing to sell. Yeah. I mean, if he's being valued as someone that's been a touchdown scorer, um, Obviously, I don't think that that's necessarily something that's going to continue on a team that's not going to score a lot of touchdowns. Um, Duke hasn't been a prolific touchdown scorer since he answered the league anyway. Um, so I think if you find an owner that values him as like a top 20, top 25 guy, like he kind of has been these past couple of weeks, at least in PPR, um, probably not willing to part with anything uh, that's going to be enticing enough to get him away. Yeah, that's fair. I guess, uh, you know, 
the thing I would hope if I'm trying to buy that is that the owner would think his recent production is kind of fluky since it's um, based on touchdowns, which is something he hasn't historically been good at. And I actually kind of think his volume, especially in the passing game, is for real. So it's a situation where I guess I would hope that the other, whoever owns Duke Johnson would think they were selling high on him right now when uh, I, yeah, I think he has a potential to even be more valuable in the future. So you know, maybe I'm crazy, though. All right, good stuff. I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Joel Holka. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at Joel Holka. And please do yourselves a favor, get that 30% discount for subscribing to Rotoviz through the Rotoviz radio channel, rotoviz.com slash podcast. It also helps the show if you rate and review. You can find us along with all of the Rotoviz shows under the Rotoviz radio channel. We also have our individual feed for just this show. If you love us, if you love probably mostly Blair, and you want to listen to us uh, you know, in a nice, easy way, convenient way, just search for a Fantasy Football Report on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Subscribe, and please leave us a rating and review. For Blair Andrews, I'm Anthony Miko. Thanks for listening. Listening to the Rotoviz Report, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed, and be sure to contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio, and remember you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount on the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12th handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.